This morning, I'd like to start in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. I love Hebrews 11 for a number of reasons, not the least of which the many uh, great women in my family have been really good examples of this. just want to start in verse 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. And then we go into what some people would call the Hall of Fame of Faith. And I'm going to skip down to verse 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home. Now, it is important to know that this letter to the Hebrews is a Holy Spirit-inspired, pastor-written letter to people who were born as Jews and came to faith in Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And these folks, in particular, look to Abraham as their father. He's important. And this letter, and, and the more that you've learned about the Old Testament, which takes some time, the more Hebrews is like fireworks. And so it's not really the first thing I recommend to people that they read. But this section is relatively easy to kind of get into. So Abraham is a really important character. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him at, at, as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God had promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. In fact, the word Hebrew, which Jews have used um, for most of their history as an identifier, not the word Jew, literally, the word Hebrew literally means immigrant. That's what it means. He lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, meaning God had spoken to Abraham, and Abraham was looking forward to heaven. Anybody else? A city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. Today, I'd like to title the message, Sarah, Mother of Nations. Some of us are caught up in other types of mothers of things. Mother of Nations. From Hebrews 11.11, she believed that God would keep his promise. She's an example to us. Now, we I kind of feel like we're missing the rest of the story, and we certainly don't have time this morning uh, because there's brunch and, you know, places to go and things to do for the whole story. But I'd like to just read us in a little bit. Is that okay? Uh, sorry, I'm going to do it anyway. He, uh, Genesis chapter 12 is where we pick up the story. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family. Go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, I'm going to give you the cheat code up, down, right, left, you know, of of this, what God is talking about. God gives Abram, which is his name initially, 
a prophecy. God speaks to him and predicts things for him that will happen within his lifetime and things that will happen after his lifetime, but through him and through his ancestors. And we call this a messianic prophecy. This is a prophetic word, a vision that God gives him, a picture that the ultimate Savior our Lord Jesus Christ, would come through his genealogy. That all people, that all nations, and we talked a little bit about this last week, that all nations, that all people would be blessed through this genealogy. It's an Abrahamic covenant. It's a lifelong promise that God makes to Abraham, and in it is includes the promise that there will be a Messiah that will come through them. Now, it's important for us to understand a little bit about who's um, involved. And this is Abram and Sarai. Okay, that's their initial names. They come from the Ur of the Chaldees. And in fact, um, Sarah's initial name, Sarai, means princess. In fact, it's not unreasonable to think that it wasn't just like today, anybody can call their child princess, and I've got nothing against that. Go for it. But at this point with this writing, it's most likely actually her title. She's a Persian princess. And in this Persian, this name that she has, that she carries, it actually also includes a little bit the word contentious. She's like that kind of princess. (laughs) So she's a princess of the Ur of the Chaldeans, which is Babylonia, which is now right on the border with Saudi Arabia and um, Iraq. Just, just on the Saudi side. Thank you. That was fantastic. And as the scripture later points out, she was born free. Now, her and Abram are married. They're Persian. They're married. And they actually are at middle age before God gives them this word. And what has happened is she's not been able to conceive. They, as a couple, have not had biological children. And in ancient times, that's kind of a big deal, and especially if they're a royal family. And so when God says, go to a land I will show you, leave the land of your family. Rebecca and I know what this is like. Leave the land of your family to go live somewhere else where there you don't have your friends, your family, your security. Not only that, but hey, princess, leave the royal home. Now, it's a, she's an ancient princess, so we, we don't have enough historical information about what was going on in the Chaldees there. Not, maybe not a palace, maybe not a castle, but She's a princess nonetheless. She's well taken care of. She marries this man. She's not able to have a child. The God says, I want you to go. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. Her faith, her choosing to believe, and just to understand faith a little bit, a part of what faith is that we see in Hebrews chapter 11 is I choose to see what God sees. I agree with what God says, and I take action to move in that direction. I see I agree and I act. That's what faith looks like. Now, what we see also in the story, Genesis 11 and 12, continuing on, is that she is described as the most beautiful. And throughout her life, even when she is 90 years old, and in fact, in the Bible, she's the only woman that we are given her age when she dies, and that's 127. She's important. She's the mother of nations. And through this prophecy, God says, I will bring kings of nations, plural, out of your genealogy. 
She's the mother of nations, and she is the most beautiful woman. Now, on the left, going back to recently, we've been talking about Marvel characters, right? We've got Captain Carol Danvers, known as Captain Marvel. In the middle, we have Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, who is actually Jewish. On the far right, we have a Saudi princess, H.H. Amira al what? Hermione, Her Royal Highness, H.H. Amira Al-Tawil. So this Saudi princess is actually pretty close to what Sarah probably looked like. I mean, she was called beautiful, the most beautiful of many people of many generations. And it is important for us to know that then God renames her. We see she's made, they make mistakes we don't have time for the whole story today. They don't, they get impatient because the baby hasn't come yet. They make mistakes. They take matters into their own hands. And then God comes back to renew the promise. God comes back to say, hey, the deal is still on. You've made mistakes, but I forgive you. And what does God do? God renames them both from Abram to Abraham, from Sarai to Sarah. And this is, there are very few people in scripture that God renames. And it's important because God is saying, this is how I see you. And what the name that God gives her, and by the way, God gives her husband this name for her. Hello, McFly. This is how I see your wife. It's the feminine of captain and commander, meaning to rule. That's the name that God gives her. Kind of sounds like I have some further opinions on this subject of gender roles and what the Bible really says and doesn't say, but that's not today's topic. Isaiah actually took this Hebrew word that God spoke and translates her name, Sarah. Isaiah actually translated it as queen. It's been observed among ancient Jews that there was a sort of translation of this word that the Hebrew letter Yod signifies the creative power of God in nature, while the letter He symbolizes the state of grace, that state into which Sarah had entered after receiving the covenanted promise. So here we have immigrants, and just briefly, I want to allude to Jesus' perspective on the subject. When Jesus has revealed his identity as Messiah, and the Jewish leaders come to challenge that, and the way that they challenge that is, the phrase that they would use is, are you a son of Abraham? And Jesus, who, according to John 1, 1, the sci-fi aspect of the gospel, the living word, who was, who is, who is to come, the living Jesus, who was the word at the beginning, who was present with God the Father at the moment of creation. Jesus, in John chapter 8, verses 52 through 59, actually talks about his personal relationship with Abraham, and I think it's interesting. And this would also infer his relationship with Sarah. He referenced Abraham looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. In other words, Jesus is saying, I was there, I saw with my eyes, I heard with my ears what Abraham and Sarah talked about, about the coming of the Messiah. This is what Jesus says in John 8. They were looking forward to me with joy, to me, the Messiah, with joy. A messianic fulfillment of God's covenant with Abraham that he would be blessed, that Abraham and Sarah would be blessed to be a blessing. 
And so if, and we see this in Romans 4.11 and Galatians 3.6-7, if Abraham is the, quote, father of all who will ever believe this new covenant through Jesus, then it stands to reason that Sarah is the mother of all that believe. You look up those references This includes their foundation example and the most important aspect of it that the Hebrews is trying to bring out of their life, like their main life lesson. Abraham and Sarah, who Jews looked to as their parents, but who were not Jews themselves. That foundation example is righteousness by faith in God. Not based on merit, not based on what they have done, but based on faith. The seed of what Jesus would bring to us in the new covenant. This seed that, hey, it's not like all the other religions of the world where you have to do certain things to be accepted. Christianity instead is the most inclusive God calling to everyone through the Messiah. Not based on who you are or what you have done, but based on God's grace. That is the life message of Abraham and Sarah that Hebrews is trying to talk about. Paul takes a little bit further view of this that makes Sarah a very important character. Galatians chapter 4, verse 26, Paul writes an allegorical note about Sarah representing the new covenant fulfilled in the new city of our God that was yet to be revealed in heaven. Sarah is the icon, a spiritual mother, a person to be looked to as an example of the grace of God. But you've heard a lot of things about Abraham, maybe not so much about Sarah. So certainly she's not perfect. She introduces Hagar in an an effort to see the fulfillment of the promise, right? She brings Abraham, another woman to have a baby with to try to fulfill the promise. In Genesis chapter 18, we see where God brings some redirection and some grace into the situation. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day Abraham was sitting at the entrance of his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before continuing on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get these, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it in dough, bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a calf gave it to his servant and quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and roasted meat and served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. And one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she, and by the by the way, Abraham's ten years older. <laughs> so she laughed silently to herself and said, "How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old?" <laughs> then the Lord said to Abraham, "Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby?'" Here we go. Here's the bell ringer. Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. God's grace coming in despite their sin, despite their mistake, mistakes, despite their age. And, and watch this now spiritually. God bringing life where it doesn't seem like it's possible. You hear me? God bringing life where it doesn't seem like it's possible. Wouldn't you know that one day, Mary, the mother of Jesus, would repeat these words? Why does Mary, the mother of Jesus, repeat these words? It had become a bell ringer, a life lesson, a most important statement in the worship of God the Creator. And I believe that to each of us today, regardless of gender, regardless of everything else, to each of us today, the lesson should be, is anything too hard for God? Because here we have this middle-aged princess in the wilderness, unable to bear children, hearing the promises of God, and Hebrews says she believed that God would keep His promise. You notice that her accolades are not that she was married to Abraham for all those years. I think maybe when we celebrate anniversaries and different things and celebrate people, maybe what we should do is get a little bit more mature and creative and identify aspects of their character that are valuable, that are redemptive, that line up with a God whose love is faithful and patient and kind. She believed that God would keep His promise. She didn't say, I deserve. Hello? She didn't let her mistakes stop her short. She turned with faith to God. And this message became a life lesson. Is anything too hard for God? Honestly, it it would be very, very easy for me to spend hours telling you the stories of her life. But... I want to return to Hebrews 11 and then just briefly talk about some of the lessons that we learned from this. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. Now listen to this, what is said about her. I don't know if you've considered this before. Hebrews 11, 13. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. Verse 33. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. Their weakness was turned to strength. Verse 34. Their weakness was turned to strength. Verse 38, maybe you've heard this line before. They were too good for this world. Verse 39. 
All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. What that means, that word perfection is the word completion. And what that means is that we look forward to when Jesus returns, we all will have promises God made to us fulfilled in that moment. And we all will receive those gifts together. Yeah, I, I, different people have different ways of doing Christmas and birthdays and stuff. And I'll never forget, like, my family was, was pretty respectful. Like, one person opens a gift at a time. And I remember the first time we were kind of doing Christmas with another family. And it was just like, go for it! And all the kids are opening gifts simultaneously. And it's just a madhouse and papers flying everywhere. That's kind of like what God is saying, that when Jesus returns, we will all receive the promises and be completed together in unison. And nobody will be jealous and jacked up and angry and crying. That's a part of Sarah's life message. I think it's admirable. I think it's more important to you than what the president is tweeting. I think it's more important to you than what a blogger thinks, what a YouTuber thinks. I think it's more important to you than the office gossip. I think it's more important to you than what your neighbors are saying about the mayor. I think it's more important to you than your own opinions. There are some things in this life that are of greater value and importance. And I think the lessons we can learn from the life of Sarah are among them. The captain and commander who ruled. So... Allow me, if I may, for those of you who are a little bit more exact in your mental nature, let's note a few. What have we learned from Sarah? Now, I'm going to include in here stuff from other verses of the Bible, and the notes are, as they always are, cityharborchurch.com slash messages. You can see the notes in the scripture, references to look up. I'm going to include some stuff from other scriptures we haven't had time to read today. What have we learned about Sarah? Well, she believed that God would keep his promise. It doesn't say that she always felt good about it. It doesn't say that she always responded the right way. But it does say she believed that God would keep his promise. She, um, that God will bring life where it seems impossible. That was the promise of God. Now that is no small thing. That's not just checking a box in your brain. That's not just, okay, when it relates to God, he's God and someday it'll all happen. You understand what I'm saying? This is not about warm fuzzies or fantasy or cotton candy. Right? There's some depth to this. There's a depth of character to this. She believed that God would bring life where it seemed impossible. She lived in difficult situations. Too many for me to have enumerated already this morning. She lived in difficult situations. She believed that God exists. According to Hebrews, this is what it directly says about her faith. She believed that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That's who God is. That's what a real God kind of faith is. And that's what the faith of Sarah was like. She believed that God exists and that God rewards those who sincerely seek him. She was not perfect. I've not yet met a perfect human. Certainly my mother comes close. (laughs) Sarah, the mother of nations, was not perfect. But she chose to rely on God, completely trusting God. This is what, read 
Hebrews 11 and think about what it's saying about Sarah and her faith. She chose to rely on God, completely trusting God. Now, she received what God had promised her. It's important for us to realize that even though she didn't see it all in her 127 years on the earth, she did see a lot of God fulfilling his promises. She saw miracles in her lifetime. She allowed God to turn her weakness into strength. That's what Hebrews says. She opened herself up to God, to the direction of God. She followed God. She went through that difficult process of allowing God to turn her weakness into strength. That could certainly include a desire for children that gets taken to a level that's not healthy. She chose to see the God-given potential in her husband and children. And let me tell you, read their stories. That was not easy. She had some jacked up men in her life. I won't ask for an amen. But it was a decision that she made. She wasn't blind. She didn't forsake consequences. She didn't lie. But she did choose to believe, to see the God-given potential in her husband and children, her sons. She earned a good reputation. That's important. It's important to note. Sarah, the mother of nations, earned a good reputation. That's what Hebrews says. She died still believing that God, what God had promised her. She believed that, because the promise of God to her specifically was huge. It was an eternal thing that will never die. She believed that God would fulfill it. She had not yet received all that had been promised, but she saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. That's what the scripture said. Whoa. Like that's, that's rich. That's, that's faith with some substance. That's like not the kind of stuff that's just normal. She was an immigrant who looked forward to calling heaven her home. Our value system as it relates to immigrants and the poor should reflect the value system of God. I'm not making a partisan comment here. I'm talking about us because according to scripture, I should identify as a Jesus follower before I identify anything else. Gender, race, culture, ethnicity, political party should be pretty low on that list. Now, I believe God can use human authority, but it's pretty obvious God has some thoughts on the subject. And as a Jesus follower, I identify as a Jesus follower first. My value system towards the poor, towards the least of these, Jesus had some really specific things to say about that subject. Sarah, she was, according to Hebrews, too good for this world. Now, part of what that means is that in earth, we currently live in a place that is seeing the consequences of sin. You go back to Genesis 1, 2, 3, we see a little bit more about what that means. And so in that way, when her spirit is redeemed and she's brought up to the Lord, her time here was done. She is now, and check this, now watch, this is really cool. Think about this, the context of this, the first verses, some of you will be familiar with this, of Hebrews chapter 12. We are now surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Sarah is one of the people watching our journey. Just as Jesus watched them and the way that Abraham and Sarah talked about how they longed for the Messiah to come, Sarah is now watching us. She's a witness to our life of faith. So, just briefly, what have we learned about God from the life of Sarah? 
and from the scriptures about her. Well, God gave her purpose and promise. So much being discussed in our culture right now about identity. Have I derived first from God my identity and my promise? Because God has thoughts. And they're not what people say they in the public narrative of what Christians believe. No, 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 no. Check the book for yourself. God has some thoughts that are pretty big, that are pretty powerful, that are pretty wonderful, that are pretty gracious, that are pretty loving. I should derive that there first. God gave her promise and purpose. God protected her. You watch her life story throughout the text. God physically protected her from rulers of nations. Amazing story. God protected her from the Egyptian pharaoh and the Philistine king. God also made her the mother of nations. Therefore, as Jews do trace their genealogy through the moms, Jesus Christ, our Savior, she is also the spiritual mother of all who would believe. God was faithful to his, fulfill his promise to her. Look at who God is. I think it's important for us to ask ourselves, what's God like? Well, God was faithful to fulfill his promise to her, and yet will he be. God is not ashamed to be called her God. You notice when she made mistakes, when she took matters into her own hands? I don't know that there's anybody here who's given their husband another woman to sleep with to have a child. (laughs) That's what she did. God didn't forsake her at that point. God didn't turn his face from her. God, The scripture says God was happy to be called her God. We should learn something about our God from this story. I think I'm the most excited person in the room about this. For he was, he prepared, and this is what the scripture says, God prepared a city for her and for all believers. That's what God is like. So, in closing, what should we do about this? Well, believe that God will fulfill his promises. Maybe the most difficult thing, but what I believe is, Just like the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, we believe, help us in our unbelief. Ask God for help with your belief. Be honest about it. Identify it. God, I really struggle with this. Will you help me believe? Believe that God will fulfill his promises. Second, choose to rely on God, trusting God completely. Third, be faithful through difficult circumstances. If I want to learn from Sarah, the mother of nations, be faithful through difficult circumstances. Fourth, allow God to turn our weaknesses into strengths. And that's a longer process. Fifth, choose to see the God-given potential in the people that God has put in our lives. And this is not a lesson only for mothers. Hello? For all of us, What we see in the scriptures about the love and respect that Jesus calls us to for all humans. Jesus said, love your enemies. All Jesus followers are called with his help to choose to see the best in the people that he has put in our lives. This is something that I put into practice. People are frustrated and upset with me. I'm going to choose to believe that they've got the best intention in mind when they come at me. That sounds a little cray-cray. You need the help of God. You need the help of God. Will you stand with me as we close in prayer this morning?